Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. So this story is a few years old, but whenever I tell it to people, the reaction is always some variation of, holy f***. At the time of this story, it's mid-October, I'm 20 years old, and a senior in college. I got out of class at about 9pm, and headed downtown in my college town to see about an open mic thing that was supposed to be happening at a hookah lounge. And around that time there was a guy who would play accordion on one of the corners of the main thoroughfare. Didn't find accordion guy and either the hookah place was closed, or it wasn't an open mic night. I don't quite remember. But as I'm walking back down one of the main streets that heads back onto campus, I came across this very drunk woman begging two other women for a ride home. I think the girls were getting into an Uber, or they didn't have space in their car, or something along those lines. Point is, the other women weren't taking her, and couldn't, or wouldn't, help her. Mind you, This is a Thursday night at around 9 p.m. When she finds that the other women can't help her and I'm walking past, she turns to me instead, asking for my help in getting home. For context, I still have my backpack on, my phone's running low, and I've been at this school and in this town for three years, so I know downtown and campus pretty damn well on foot. I'm a young, average female, and also of note, I don't have a car at this time. She gives me an address, and it's maybe a 15 to 20 minute walk north, slightly northeast from where we're at. And I knew the general area of where it was, so I was more than happy to be a good Samaritan and walk a drunk woman home who didn't feel safe. Boy, do I regret my bleeding heart after this. She's incredibly thankful and overjoyed that someone is willing to help her get home. The route we were going to take was super straightforward, and I knew exactly where I was in relation to the rest of the town. She says that she has to pee really badly. I reassure her that it won't be long and she'll be back at her place soon. She says that she was out with her boyfriend and he left her at the bar alone, drunk, and mad at her or something. She says she's from out of state. I commiserate with her that what he did was shitty. She asked me about what I'm studying. I confided that I was finishing a bachelor's of science in information technology. She starts in about her experience with the dark net. She's bemoaning this boyfriend that's at home that I'm walking her back to. She keeps trying to walk with me like up against my side or slightly behind me. And I'm like, no, walk slightly ahead of me or keep some space. She has a dermal piercing on her cheekbone that's hard to miss. She's getting more and more manic and weird as we walk along. We get about half a mile into North Downtown less than a mile from the address she gave me, and the boyfriend's calling her and being a real douche nozzle. I'm about done with this guy from the shit she's telling me about this, that, and the other thing. So she puts him on speakerphone, and I tell him that he needs to chill out. We're on such and such road, close by. His tone changes in an instant. He goes from hostile and angry to surprisingly chill. I may be neurodivergent, but that threw up a million more red flags for me. And she starts saying that I'm going to have a good time at their house. I'm looking for an exit here, 
Every bone in my body is screaming at me to get out of this situation. We get to the end of this road, which coincides with an intersection that has a gas station. I say, hey, let's stop here to use the bathroom. She says that she doesn't have to use the bathroom anymore. I'm scared shitless at this point. I tell her, well, maybe you don't have to, but I do, which was true. We go into the gas station. I head immediately to the bathroom and text one of my friends asking if she was working and if she could pick me up or if I needed to call the campus safe ride home program. Friend says it'll be a minute if I'm willing to wait. So I agree. I come out of the bathroom and this drunk woman, if she was even actually drunk to begin with, has vanished. Nowhere in the store, nowhere outside that I care to look. I buy a soda and wait for my friend and her friends to come save me. After about 20 minutes, my safe ride refuge arrives. I have a lot of friends that are opinionated and I can't always tell what's true when they tell it to me. But I'm later told that facial dermal piercings like hers are sometimes affiliated with human trafficking. And to be honest, with the vibes and the changes in tone and the narrative that was being spun around me walking this woman home, and how she just completely vanished on me when I got to a safe place with lights and cameras and such, I have to wonder if that wasn't the plan. I won't ever know for certain, but it definitely scared the ever-loving daylights out of me as a 20-year-old. After the ride back to campus with my friends, they take me to one of their dorm rooms and I spend more of the evening with them, just so I wouldn't be alone. Forever thankful for three underclassmen for rescuing me from a gas station at 10 p.m., while I'd love to say that I never ran into the antagonist from the story ever again, that would be a lie. A few months after this happened, I was out at a drag bar getting crossfaded with friends, and I recognized her at a table near ours. I was completely panicked for the rest of the night, terrified of this woman and what could have happened before and then. While she never approached me or our table that night, it transported me back to a few months previous thinking about just how thankful I am for listening to my gut and my weak bladder that got me out of that situation. When I was like six years old, I attended the elementary school, which was located in our small town. My way to and from school was basically just about a thousand feet of main road before turning onto the street where I lived. At the time, we're talking about the late 90s here. All the parents in town were extremely adamant on telling their kids not to trust or follow strangers. Never get into anyone's car, even if they say they know your parents and are friends. The reason why, there was a murder like three years back in the same town. A girl not even six years old was found dead in a field. The strange thing about it was that nobody knew exactly how she was taken. No signs of forced entry or anything at the home, and no accounts of her being snatched off the street, which implies that somebody lured her somewhere without her suspecting a thing. The case still hasn't been solved more than 20 years later. So our parents were very afraid that their kid was going to be next, because kids can be really stupid, and you just can't watch them 24-7. Now on to what almost happened to me. I was walking home from elementary school, about halfway home, I entered the shadiest and most covered area of my walk. A car pulled up next to me. A blonde, about 30-ish woman was the driver. She told me she could drive me home. 
She claimed to be going in that direction anyway, which was unclear to me at the time, but essentially bullshit. because once the road ends near my house, there's nothing but empty fields. Being very kid-like and not as aware of the situation as I am now, I wasn't suspicious. I just said, oh no, it's not that far. I can walk. Then she started being more insistent. The whole, oh come on, it's fine. Nothing to worry about and you can relax instead of walking. The alarm bells only started ringing when she said she knew my mother. They are friends, and supposedly she was asked by her to drive me home. Thank God for my parents repeatedly talking about the tricks that people use to lure you in. I started to be creeped out, continued to walk, but she kept driving right beside me. Now the real weird part in hindsight was her next attempt to get me into the car. She started saying that I was obviously afraid and cool children are not afraid of such things. If you wanna be cool, you should just relax. Honestly, I didn't fully realize the full extent of the situation. I just felt uncomfortable and wanted to get out of the conversation. So I started sprinting the rest of the way back to my house. Once I got home, I stood between our front door and the living room window, occasionally peeking out for what felt like an hour. And guess who drove by? and basically checked out the house. Of course, that creepy woman. The road was a dead-end road, and she opted to drive by the house three or four times before eventually pulling off to not come back. It took years until I realized what kind of bullet I dodged there. All I was thinking was, my parents told me not to do this. I didn't know why or what that woman wanted. The drill of hearing over and over again not to believe strangers or get into their car kicked in. When I got older and started getting into true crime, I remembered this whole thing for the first time in two decades. Then I realized, holy shit, that woman was most likely sent as the trustworthy front woman to lure kids into their car and then take off. Could be she was doing this for some crazed pedo or maybe even human traffickers. The moral of the story, even if your kids are too young like I was, to comprehend such things. The rules of not following strangers and the fact that strangers will lie to you for evil intentions must be drilled into your child's head, like saying please and thank you or looking both ways before crossing a road. A couple years back, I was working at a pizza chain in my hometown as a driver. I was 27, but made darn good money delivering. I had worked at a few other places, both local and chain in the years before, and still work as a dasher on occasion, even after this happened. Now I choose to deliver in a much safer area for this very reason. I got luckier than I could have ever imagined. One night, I was working and had a double, that's two deliveries, to take out. Both were cash orders. I had $12 left in my bank, which is what drivers are given to use to make change for cash orders. That way you don't have to have a ton of cash on you all at one time. The first order went smoothly. The guy gave me a 50 for a $35 order, so I was excited about the nice tip. I drove to the second delivery. It was at an apartment complex with multiple buildings. I had delivered there before. The sun was about to set, but it was still pretty light out. The chain I worked at 
had us drive company cars with a logo on it. All white sedans. That's going to be an important detail. I grab the order and go to the door to the apartment building. A young guy comes out, and a much bigger, older guy was outside smoking a cigarette at the same time. The big guy went inside as the smaller guy exited. He looked around nervously and asked how much he owed me. The way he was looking around made me very nervous. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. I told him the amount, and he said that that wasn't what he was told on the phone. Something felt very wrong. I felt someone else walk out behind me from the door as the first guy looked around down the parking lot craning his neck as if he was looking for somebody. I told him the amount again and broke down the order for him trying to keep calm. Then the first guy held a gun to my right temple. I also felt a poke in my spine. Two gunmen. I couldn't speak. Words wouldn't form, no matter how hard I tried. Give me your money and your keys. Now. The first guy growled, and I fumbled immediately for the keys. I gave him my bank, but hadn't realized the 50 was mixed in. I gave him the keys, trying my best to remain calm. Another guy came up from my left. He had poofy hair and was around the same age as the first kid. The one behind me, I hadn't seen yet. The big hair kid grabbed the pizza bag, ran off and hid. The first kid searched the company car. Luckily, I had left my wallet in my personal car. I saw him grab my cell phone. That's when the panic began to set in. I had pictures on that phone that I hadn't backed up of my five-year-old son, who is absolutely my world. Please, please, don't take that. I have pictures of my son who died on there. It's all I have of him, please. That was a lie. My son is very much alive. The kid behind me spoke softly. Trust me, just listen to him. You'll get it back undamaged. I don't want to be here either. I could tell he'd been crying by how his voice sounded. A car began pulling in, and the three boys took off to the other end of the complex in a full sprint. Before the one behind me ran, he dropped the gun in front of me. Standard issue 9mm, silver and black. Safety off. It looked completely real to me. He picked it back up and ran off with the others. The car that pulled in saw me. It was a woman and her child. Panic set in as I realized they could easily come back and do way worse to me as the sky began to darken. I collapsed. They had taken my company car keys, $72, the pizza, and my phone. The woman ran up to me and asked if I was alright. She took me into her apartment in the next building over and locked the door. I was shaking so hard I couldn't even hold her phone to talk to 911 as she set down her kid. Her boyfriend, I assume, helped me make the call. I spoke to the operator and told her everything. While I'm colorblind, it was obvious that these men were wearing all black and white clothes. I had a full description of two of them. The poor woman who helped me was going to be late for work, but she still stayed until I was off the phone and cops had shown up. Man, she was harsh and blunt with the operator but I will never forget this woman's utter kindness to me and her boyfriends. Cops showed up and contacted my store and my manager brought out the spare keys for me to drive the car back to the store. After dealing with the cops, I drove back and was greeted by crying and beyond worried coworkers. All of them were terrified that I was hurt. 
It meant a lot to me how much they cared, but I told them I was fine. I filed the proper paperwork, and the $72 was written off as a loss by the store. Thank goodness, because I had worked at other stores that make you pay back the money out of pocket if you get robbed to prevent drivers from stealing. I was told by the owner to take the rest of the night off and take care of myself. He gave me a hug. He was to this day one of the best bosses I've ever had. What I didn't know was I was in for a very long night. Before I left the store, I used the store phone to call my best friend and ask where he was. We usually meet up for drinks after work. He was around the corner at the bar. So I met up with him. His dad was a District 4 cop in my city at the time, the same district that this happened in. He told me his dad had given him a heads up and he had two shots waiting for me to calm my nerves. After the two shots, we began playing pool when his dad called his phone and asked if I was with him. He said yeah and handed the phone right over to me. His dad asked if I could come to the station. I was honest and told him I'd had two shots, so he sent out a squad car to get me since it wasn't that far. We get to the station. They had suspects in custody, and I was needed to ID them. Three boys and a driver. They had been caught less than 20 minutes after the robbery, speeding. The bolo had already gone out, and they matched the description. They had used the money to buy weed and gas, and had tried to take off. They had at least 15 stolen cell phones on them. The order had been placed on a stolen phone. My phone was found in the mix. The police told me to grab my phone only, and I did. They asked me to unlock it. It had fingerprint verification, so that was easy. Nine of the ten tries to unlock it had already been used before my phone would have completely reset. It unlocked. I told the police every detail yet again. Although my parental instincts had kicked in, I told them the guy behind me quite obviously was bullied into this and to show him mercy. He was the one with the white shirt on. The police went wide-eyed and told me he was the one talking. The other three denied any involvement. That's when I found out about the fourth guy, the driver. We found out later he was completely unaware of the robbery and was just picking up his friends. He was never charged. The boy who was behind me and the one who grabbed the pizza were 15 and 16 and got six months of house arrest. The only reason the one behind me got off easy despite having the gun to my back was because I asked them to go easy on him. He seemed like he was a good kid, and he didn't want to be there the same way that I didn't want to. Plus he was the only one confessing. Makes sense, since even he had said the other guy wouldn't have the phone for long. He was planning on going to the cops had they not been caught. But the other guy, the first kid who put the gun to my temple, well, it was his 18th birthday. He got the book thrown at him. In the courtroom, he made fun of me and was laughing the whole time. Seeing him made me panic. The judge scolded him for his behavior, and he just grinned and glared at me with a joker-like grin. All I saw was pure evil. This kid will commit more crimes. I have no doubt he will eventually end someone's life. And you can see how cold he is by just looking in his eyes. He seems evil incarnate. I grew up in a town full of murderers and abusers. I had never seen this kind of evil in my life, and I never want to see it again. I asked to have my name stricken from the records, and asked to remain anonymous in case he ever got out. I'm very glad that I did, because today I got a letter from the state 
He's being released in February. The court only had my old address, which was my parents' house, and my mom didn't think the letter was important. I missed the deadline to protest his release for probation. The plea deal was eight years. It's only been four. He's getting out early due to overcrowding. Not good behavior. Overcrowding. I'll say this. I'm ready if he finds me. My wife, my parents, everyone I know knows his face and name. If he tries anything, we're all ready. But for his sake, let's not meet. To the woman and her family who helped me, if you see this, please know my undying gratitude for you all. It was inconvenient for you. You were late for work, yet you still took the time to help me, and I can't thank you enough. I bought Christmas presents for your daughter, but when I went back to the apartment and found the landlord, he said that you had moved. I didn't want to be a creep and ask the address for your new place, but I'm glad you got out of that bad neighborhood, and I hope your beautiful baby girl is doing well too. I would gladly meet you again to give you the proper thanks you deserve, but for now, I hope these things will suffice. Sincerely, the Domino's Driver from Southwest Ohio.